This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, John McCooch joins the guys to recap the first week of March Madness and look forward to the Sweet 16. Uh, the out-of-the-box draft is a draft of the best sports logos of all time. The MLB season two weeks away. The guys preview the American League favorites and players to watch. This week in sports covers another wild week of moves in the NFL, and the guys give their updated final four picks. Welcome back to another episode of the Dylan and Dylan show. Excited to get back to it after what was an exciting last week of sports, especially for us here at the Dylan and Dylan show of the first ever Dylan and Dylan bowl took place by Michigan Wolverines, the Cinderella of the dance, making their way past Tennessee to make it to the sweet 16 uh, in what was in what Dylan said, a classic Tennessee loss, but Dylan was not a fun weekend for you, but it was an exciting weekend, at least to say the least. Uh, how how are you doing today? I was so fired up Thursday night. I could not sleep. I was up like until 4 a.m. after Murray State beat San Francisco. And what was it might be the game of the tournament this far. That game was amazing. Uh, Murray and San Francisco went back and forth all night, went to an overtime, just a classic. And I expected to be here today as Murray's in the Sweet 16, Tennessee's in the Sweet 16, and talking about how much of a crime it was that San Francisco got mashed up with Murray in the first round. But instead, all I can think about is how this went from March Madness to March Sadness for me. After Friday at like midnight, man, it just went south. I don't know what it was. I tried to follow all my rituals as a fan, and it just did not work out. I, I don't know what um what happened honestly and i like tennessee i kind of expected it from i got texts from people leading up to the games and they're like well which game are you nervous for tennessee or murray and i was like honestly tennessee i was like tennessee does this they lose games they should win that's just how it's been my entire life but murray like i i thought they kind of had it in the bag and that's that i think it made that one hurt even worse and it just oh man that was a rough day and then like sunday i just didn't want to do anything didn't watch any basketball, which is a shame because there were really good games. And I'm excited to watch this weekend's uh, batch of games. But, man, it was tough uh, watching both teams I, I've supported my whole life go down within a five-hour span. That was that was a rough, rough uh, ending to Saturday. And what had been just an awesome start to the tournament. But, yeah, I'm, I'm better now. I've got over it, I think. Um, a lot to talk about in March Madness, college basketball world, but also just everything happening in sports there's so much going on i'm excited to dive into it today yeah i'm doing pretty well as well i'm coming off an exciting week in sports all around uh, all over the place the south dakota high school basketball boys tournament was this weekend uh, so that adds to the all the fun that march madness was obviously with michigan winning and uh doing what they did it's just been a lot of fun and uh, then we've got all the fun exciting news to get into in the nfl so it was a fun week i'm excited to get into it a reminder to follow tunnel vision sports wherever you listen to podcasts that way you never miss an episode of any of our fine shows coming your way and if you like what you hear don't forget to throw us a rating and review it really helps us out first up we are going to get right into the march madness recap tunnel vision sports journalist john mackich is here to recap the last week's games and to look at the after effects of the first two rounds. 
All right. Excited to have Tunnel Vision sports journalist John McCooch on to join us to talk some March Madness. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing really great, guys. It's a great time to be on the show. It's been a pleasure, uh, but ready to get after it. Excited to have you on. It's a it's been a fun week, and we're going to dive right into the March Madness stuff. We needed John along because we needed three hands on deck to talk, cover all of the March Madness stuff that's going on. First, uh, we t- we'll talk about the upsets, and obviously the biggest Cinderella story, the St. Peter's Peacocks. Uh, Dylan has a probably not a great opinion of them after what he, they did to his Murray State Racers, but uh, John, you also had a, an interesting, you know. Uh, inside scoop on the on the, the coaching at, at St. Peter's and what's going on there. So what has been your overall reaction to what St. Peter's has done as the newest Cinderella story uh, in the tournament? You know, it really, a lot of people are really surprised about this St. Peter's Peacocks team, but being able to follow it as someone from Jersey, um, it's not as surprising as it is for the rest of the country because all year long, this was a team that was really skilled, really physical, played really tough Jersey basketball. That's just, again, really physical stuff you would see in the Big East and the Big Ten. And they did that, and they really dominated the MAC. They did a great job in their conference, and they got a tough matchup in Kentucky. And Kentucky was a team that a lot of people really had going far. I, I had them in a bracket or two. Um, but the Peacocks, they, they did what they did. Again, they really play a slower pace of basketball and they like to dictate the game. And they're able to, that's what a lot of great Cinderella teams do. They control the pace and they dictate what's going on. So this Peacocks team, again, coached by Shaheen Holloway, a former Seton Hall legend who is now rumored in the Seton Hall job itself, especially after the success so far. We'll probably get into that a bit in a bit. But Holloway has done a fantastic job so far. He's really taken this group of people that a lot of people wrote off maybe at the beginning of the season and now has bred them into just a really great team chemistry-wise, and they just play well together. So this team has just done it all season long. They're really putting it together so far in these first two games. They've got potential to go even further. Yeah, that was, I mean, it's been a shock to a lot of people. I said – coming into it when you're, you're trying to pick an upset, you kind of want to look for those teams that have the, the historic ties to basketball. And other than Shaleen Holloway, I mean, St. Peter's, obviously we've, it's been talked about how much they spend on basketball compared to Kentucky and even a team like Murray state. Uh, but that it, it's been awesome to see. It's, it, it's what you love about the magic of the tournament is just finding out these new stories about these new teams that you haven't really been able to follow all year. Uh, Dylan, I can't, I can't let this conversation go by without getting your thoughts on the St. Peter's Peacocks. I hate it because if they wouldn't have played Murray State in the round of 32, I would love this team because there is such a Dylan Holt basketball team and it kills me inside that they ruin one of Murray State's greatest seasons ever. It really kills me because they're just a team that goes out there. You've got teams like Kentucky and Murray State who are like really nice sports cars this year. It's teams that have been firing on all cylinders for most of the season coming to the tournament. And they're like, we, we're going to make runs. And St. Peter's is like, you know what? Uh, we're going to throw rocks at them and we're going to see what happens. And that's what they did. And they just mucked everything up. That's something that I kept hearing on social media. The commentators would say they just muck things up. And I'm like, yeah, they do. And it's really, really frustrating. Cause it's like Casey, Casey Nadefo, if I can say his name, um, is an undersized big man who just had his way, it seemed, with guys like Oscar Sheboy and KJ Williams, who were both player of their player of the years in their conferences. It blows my mind he was able to do that off hustle. And like John said, that Jersey style of basketball, I just I don't I think people that aren't from 
the Northeast and know the area quite as well, it doesn't quite, it didn't quite hit you until you see it. And it's like, whoa, that this is wild. Just that effort and the style of play is just so different. And it's, it goes that way for all those guys on that team. Just they, they play so physical. And like, I thought Murray was a team that played physical all year and it, it kind of made teams uncomfortable. And St. Peter's was like, uh, all right, boys, we're going to teach you how to really play physical. And it, it showed it, both Kentucky and Murray, they kind of, they kind of folded over and uh, submitted into playing St. Peter's way. And it obviously led to St. Peter's being in the sweet 16 and uh, Holloway's a coach that's going to get a lot of money whenever they lose, if they lose. And it, it's good for him. And we've seen like Doug Edder got the NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings and Barstool Sports. It's just really cool stuff coming out of it, but I hate it. Sheen Holloway getting all this noise. Uh, just what are your thoughts on that Seton Hall job opening and any of the jobs that have opened since the, the first round of the tournament has gone through? Yeah, really just kind of to focus on the Seton Hall job. It's a it's a smaller school in South Orange, New Jersey, but it's really like that St. Peter's Peacock team that plays really physical. I mean, they had stars like Jared Roden, again, Miles Kale and Ike Obiagu. They're all they're all physical basketball players, even some of these guards down to the big men. Uh, Willard did a great job putting a team together because Seton Hall, it's not Maryland. It's not Villanova in the Big East. It's, they don't have the money or the resources, but to be able to put a team together that can go, that can only lose nine games that one season, can win the Big East tournament, that doesn't happen at Seton Hall except for the P.J. Carlissimo days. And that, that was a while ago. And Willard came in to a program that was kind of on the downfall, pretty much on the, on, on the downfall under Bobby Gonzalez. And he came in and he really just, it took a little bit of time. It took about five or six years to really get that going. But once Willard got those recruiting classes and names like she, well, Shaheen Holloway was before that, obviously, but you had names like Isaiah Whitehead, who ended up making a really tough layup against Villanova to win the Big East tournament, really. And you had Desi Rodriguez, Kadeen Carrington, all the way down to this past season with Jared Rowe. And obviously a lot of people know Miles Powell, Jerry West award winner. Willard brought all those guys in and was able to develop those guys. So he's going to be a really solid coach at Maryland. And I think the Terrapins are on a really great up track uh, they they're, they're coming off not a great year but they're one of those programs that they can have a few down years and they'll get the recruits in they had a lot of top 25 recruiting classes they always stick around the top 50 seen hall i believe their last recruiting recruiting class was in the mid 30s and that's new jersey you don't see a lot of that in new jersey unless it maybe you're talking about rutgers not even them so far seen halls kind of come up as that top program so willard's done a great job and for seen hall itself Shaheen Holloway is, is the only coaching name that you've heard coming out as a candidate for that job. I mean, I, I've heard Chris Mack a few times, but those are all just to have a backup option. Shaheen Holloway at this point, especially around Pirate Land, it seems like it's already a done deal that Holloway's already signed the contract even during this tournament. So he's a really solid coach. I think he needs a few years of development as a coach, I mean, he hasn't, he's been doing that. He's been coaching for a while, but this is the first time he's really had a tournament team to make a run. And Biggie's basketball is a lot different than Mac basketball. It's that similar style of physical play, but the recruiting is a lot harder. You have to go against Villanova, UConn, Creighton even twice a year, every single year. And Seton Hall just got Michigan and Texas in non-conference play this year and, you know, took down both of them. Uh, but so that's going to be a tough adjustment for Holloway to make, but, Based on the job that he's done at St. Peter's, I mean, he just took down Kentucky and a, a really great Murray State team that probably was flying a bit under the radar. I'll give you that shout out over there. But Holloway, 
he can develop as a coach and he's already shown tremendous progress. So it's almost destiny for him to come to scene hall. And even at a press conference when he left or when he, he didn't leave scene hall during the press conference, but at the press conference, Willard even said Holloway coming to this program will be one of the greatest things that happened in my life. Willard said that that's how highly people at Seton hall think about Shaheen Holloway. I mean, he did a lot of great things for the school and if he's hired, he's going to do a lot more great things. So uh, for pirate land, if Holloway is the named coach, it's only up from there. Yeah, uh, I've been high on Seton Hall all year since as a Michigan fan, watching them take down Michigan at Michigan. That was an eye-opening thing to me for this year. And I, I knew that Willard was probably going to be on his way out. And I, I didn't realize the Maryland job was going to be open when, when Seton Hall took down Michigan at the time. But it made sense at the time. She And bringing up Michigan, Sheen Holloway seems so much like the Juwan Howard hire, just almost a more proven Juwan Howard is uh, a guy that was great in the Seton Hall uh, program, obviously, uh, and then went on to be a great coach and just, he would fit so perfectly with that program. I feel like Um, moving on back to the general March madness stuff, we've got four double digit seeds left. We've already talked about St. Peter's of those remaining three, you've got Michigan, you've got Iowa state, you've got Miami. John and Dylan, both of you guys, whichever you think of those three teams, who do you think has the best chance of making it uh, to the final four? Um, I would say Michigan off talent, but it's a real shame they have to play Villanova. And this could age very poorly. Michigan might beat them. Who knows? But I just think Villanova is just a machine. And I am a person from West Kentucky that has appreciated Big East basketball for a long time. And I think, I don't know, I – that Michigan Magic, I think, is going to run out against Villanova, but I might just be salty because they beat Tennessee. I don't know. Uh, but Michigan has all, all the talent in the world. They have a very, very good team. Uh, Miami-Iowa State's interesting because the winner of that game is in the Elite Eight. And I like I I had Iowa State in my Sweet 16 for some reason when I filled out a bracket. I don't know why because I didn't know anything about this team. And, like, right before the tournament started, I looked. And I was like, oh, my God, they're terrible. And then they've won these games. I'm like, okay, maybe they're not. Um, and Miami with James Lara not James Laranaga, you can't count them out. That's just a legendary coach. Uh, Miami's just scrappy, and they've been that way all year. Uh, I was really impressed with Miami. I think in January they played Duke and they beat them, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to this Miami squad. Um, but I. Charlie Moore is a good point guard. He's a veteran. He's played forever. I think Charlie Moore was playing college basketball in like 2002. He's been around forever. Um, that's either one of those teams is going to just be scrappy and hard to put out, but I don't know. I don't think any of the double digits are making it to next weekend. I could be wrong. I, I'm, I'm wrong quite a bit on this show, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think they're all scrappy and going to put up hard tests, but I, I think it's really going to come out to the teams at the top are really good this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a really top-loaded front, but we have to pick one, obviously, to really go far. And you were pretty high on Miami. I'm pretty high on Iowa State. I do follow a bit of Big 12 as well. Um, Isaiah Brockington is having a great season, 17 points a game, 6.8 rebounds a game. Like we've mentioned, these teams are really scrappy in these double-digit seed lines. Iowa State is no different. These Cyclones have won a lot of tough games this season. After a poor season the year before, they've really surged back and come back, and it's just a really great story to see. The the reverse Oregon State, if you will. But for Iowa State, again, they're just a really scrappy team. They play that Big 12 basketball where their offense can really be a focus, but this team is a solid defensive team. They're just a decent all-around team. They've got tough wins against LSU and Wisconsin. And those, are, those aren't those are any kind of joke teams. That's a six and a three. Miami does have that really impressive Auburn win. 
So this game, it's going to be a great one. Uh, you usually don't see that with the with the double-digit seed matchups, but these are two teams that have really fought to get here and have beaten better teams than the ones that they're going to play. So the Iowa State Cyclones, it's really a mix-up between that Miami team and Iowa State, but I think Iowa State just has more of that momentum. Miami's probably a better team on paper, but Iowa State just has that, that momentum and that it factor, and I think that they'll probably advance a bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be the winner of whatever that matchup is going to be the one that goes the farthest. If one of them makes the Final Four, it'll be the winner of that game. As much as I, I feel bad because uh, I counted out Michigan in my bracket, I've, I'm counting them out again here. But uh, the last time Michigan really got beat up in a tournament game, it was that national championship game against Villanova. And you saw the difference between those two programs, even at that time when Michigan was a national title contender. Now, I think Michigan has the talent to beat anyone, but uh, this is the first time they've won back-to-back games since – early January they are not built to go on runs like this that's all what I've been saying about this team all year so I just don't have the the faith that they're going to rattle off even one more win much less two more wins to make it to the final four so uh, I think it's the winner of that Miami Iowa State game and I I love the storyline of Iowa State winning two games last year coming back and and making it to the final four this year so I'm going to ride with the Cyclones Uh, I'll throw it to you guys open question what is your favorite storyline of the tournament thus far? Um, I'm going to go North Carolina uh, based solely off the fact of like, we became North Carolina fans towards the end of the season and it's really panned out. Uh, no one really talked about North Carolina for a majority of the year. And all of a sudden they beat coach K in his last game at uh, Cameron indoor arena. And it's like gone crazy. It turns out North Carolina is just good at basketball. What, what a wild coincidence. The Tar Heels are good. I, who would have thought, um, and last week we sat here and we're like, they're going to beat Baylor. We were like, it's happening. And it happened. It was, that was one of the, like, I was sitting down watching that game and I was like, oh my God, th- that's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. North Carolina is good. And of course, Baylor almost made us look really stupid, but the Tar Heels are good. Uh, Armando, Armando Baycott is awesome. Uh, I really, really think North Carolina's got a shot and just doing something really amazing, making a final four in a year that they were kind of counted out which would be really, really neat. Uh, and obviously, I the North Carolina thing is more kind of the Dylan and Dylan show storyline, but the Coach K storyline is just awesome. It's um, I was thinking about this the other day, going back to like my childhood watching wrestling. It reminds me of in 2008 when Ric Flair was like, the next time I lose, I'm retiring. And it came all the way down to WrestleMania. And he lost to Shawn Michaels. I'm like, that's kind of what Coach K's in right now. He's, he's going to get that. There's the famous video of Shawn Michaels saying, I love you. And then kicking Rick, uh, Ric Flair in the head and pinning him one, two, three, Ric Flair's career is over. I'm like, that's going to happen to Coach K. Because I don't think Duke's winning at all. And I, that moment of whatever coach, whatever team puts Coach K away is going to be awesome. Because I, I, I like this Duke team, which is rare because I usually don't like Duke teams at all. I like Paolo Benchero, but I think they're going to get put away, and it's going to be something special. The internet's going to melt down. Uh, it's going to be the end of a legendary career. One of the great uh, coaches to ever, ever coach the round ball college version, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, the Coach K storyline, the UNC rivalry is always a classic. No matter what context it's in, both teams could be horrendous, and it'll still be one of the best headlines. But I'm going to stick with the Big East here. This Providence Friar team that was written off, even as a four seed, Nate Watson, Noah Horkwood, Jared Bynum have been stars in this Big East play. 
a lot of doubters, a lot of people going against them. South Dakota State somehow becoming one of the most popular upset picks we've seen in a while, and that all getting blown up in many brackets face, including some of my own. Um, but this Providence team, to make the Sweet 16 after all the doubt that they face for Ed Coach Ed Cooley to come into a press conference against a 13 seed and feel like that they're underdogs constantly, that underdog mentality can get you really far in the tournament. They got a tough matchup against Kansas. But this Friar team has dealt with it all way that first Big East regular season title. And just Ed Cooley has done such a great job with that team, bringing in these, these players, making them stay as long as they have, and building a program that if he's able to stay there for a much longer time, they're going to win a lot of games and go a lot farther and really get a lot of high seed placements and really be the next kind of dog to Villanova. Um, if, if this trend continues, you know, they had some games canceled in the beginning of the season. They didn't get to play as many games as Villanova did and all that, but all that noise, if they can go out and beat Kansas and maybe get to the final four, even all of that will just be shut down. And the Friars, they just have to keep the underdog mentality and they're really underdogs this time, but for them to go out and just win these games that normally on paper, if you just looked at it, they'd be favorited to win those games by far, but the doubt for Providence continued. A lot of people didn't think that they could make it as far as they did. So I think that storyline's been pretty great. It's yet to be finished, obviously, but that's a great one to see. Also, that St. Peter's storyline is awesome. That was going to be my pick, but we definitely already talked about that one. So I'll stick with those Providence Friars. That's just, it's just such a great story to see an unnecessary underdog get as far as they have. Yeah, absolutely. Providence was looked down upon for sure. And that's Part of my biggest storyline is just the, the struggles of the Big Ten and the SEC, which were the, the big dogs of the conferences coming into the tournament. Obviously, the Big Ten had nine teams selected, and we, me and Dylan talked about it all year. SEC basketball was back. Well, I'm looking at it right now. Arkansas is the only team that made it to the Sweet 16 out of the SEC, and I don't think either of us really thought that Arkansas was leading the pack down in the SEC this year. So uh, tough to see that conference kind of get blown out of the, the water in the tournament, but it's two years in a row for the big 10 now where we have been the, the conference that's been the most selected and it's Michigan and Purdue again, at the end of the day, only getting it to the final weekend, those big 10 teams like Illinois and Indiana just cannot get past that first weekend. And uh, at some point, it's got to start affecting that. We talked about it last week, me and Dylan, where we thought this was the worst seeded bracket of all time. I think it shows when the most selected conference only gets two of their teams into the Sweet 16. You had nine of the 68 teams and couldn't only, you could only get two of those teams. So uh, it's tough to watch. I mean, I, I, and I hate to bag on a conference that I, I think is a good conference, but uh, they teams didn't show out again this year. So I, I think both of those conferences need to look inward and in, in terms of their basketball and, uh, and figure out what they have going on. John, before we let you go, me and Dylan are going to get into our final fours later in the show, but we wanted to get your final four, your updated final four and your new favorite uh, for the national championship. That, that final four is always a tough one to pick, um, but I'm going to have to put Kansas in there. I know I talked a lot about Providence. I think that Providence's run does indeed end here at this point. They're a great team. They've had a lot of great moments this season. It's just interesting. You know what? I'm, I'm feeling bold over here. While I'd probably have to go with UCLA, let's go with the St. Peter's Peacocks because this Cinderella run is not yet over. I think that they defeat Purdue and they would have a matchup with UNC or UCLA. I think those are also two teams that this team could beat, especially with the run that they've had of the Magic. I know that it's probably all going to blow up in my face and St. Peter's probably going to lose to Purdue because that's just how this works. But 
we haven't had a Cinderella run. I mean, we had Loyola Chicago a little while ago, but this St. Peter's team just feels different and they can definitely get into that final four spot. Um, I don't, I don't know if Duke's going to be Texas tech. I don't think that that's really going to happen. I'm going to put Gonzaga over there in the final four as well and have Arizona on the other side. They've been phenomenal. And I'm going to stick with that favorite Arizona to go ahead and win the national championship because that team, not only are they scrappy, they have an elite style of offense that they've dominated every team really uh, that they've been able to play only three losses and they have a decent matchup. They're able to get, if Michigan's able to upset Villanova, they'll have to match up with them. And I think we all know what what would happen in that game. Sorry about that, Dylan, but it just, it just has to happen. So I'm going to stick with Arizona as a national champion. You got St. Peter's, you have Gonzaga and you have Kansas as well as Arizona over there. Or I said St. Pete. Yeah, St. Peter's. I did say St. Peter's. Yeah, no worries. Uh, and no worries about that. Michigan and Arizona already played this year, and I think we lost by like 25 points. So I'm not – no worries on that one. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be sure to have you on again soon. Uh, have a good one, my man. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks again to John for sitting down with us. Really appreciate it. It is time for the the out-of-the-box draft. There are plenty of examples of great logos around the world, but sports gives us logos with an extra special meaning, and it is time for us to do the best logos draft. It's kind of overdue, if you ask me, because I have some strong opinions on what the best logos in and all of of sports are, Uh, so I'm excited for this one. Dylan did not have a coin, so I've got the coin ready to go for us today, uh, and I will get us into it here. Dylan, uh, what do you select? Heads. I always go heads. Probably didn't even need to ask you. That is tails. I'm not sure. We were talking... We were talking about it before. I don't know what is on that picture. So if anyone knows what the Lowell, Massachusetts picture is uh, for the 2019 quarter, we'll figure that out. But it is tails. I will give you the first pick. Uh, I think I would rather have the second and third picks so you can go for it. That's fair. Um, I When I thought of this, I, I texted Dylan when Vanderbilt unveiled their new logo, and I was like, that's trash. I like to take a lot of time to trash on Vanderbilt for a lot of different reasons, but they could have done a lot better. They, they unveiled a new logo and honestly the star V logo was not bad. It felt like they should have just kept it. It was a decent logo. Like it's not something anyone's going to write home about, but they're also not going to be like, Oh, this is trash. Their new one's not good. Uh, And it's a shame because there's so much you can do with a V like look at Villanova. Villanova's got a strong logo. Uh, There's things you can do in Vanderbilt just decide to get really boring, which is unfortunate. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about this. My first pick is something I had to go with because um, almost every week on the show, I wear this hat that I have on right now. It's the purple Arizona Diamondbacks hat. The purple and teal Arizona Diamondbacks logo is top tier. I absolutely love it. I remember uh, growing up watching baseball, the Diamondbacks were like red and the ugly colors that they are now. Then They weren't wearing the purple and teal. And I remember I saw like an old video and I was like, whoa. What's up with that? That's cool. And I obviously as time went on, I was like, oh, those that's what they used to wear. Why did they go away from it when, of course, baseball got modernized, sports got modernized, and we got these crappy logos for like 10 years. But the like the OG Diamondbacks logo is top tier. It's just so good. It like this hat I got for free. It's my most frequently wear worn a hat. And I'm not a Diamondbacks fan. I do not like the Diamondbacks. It just I just think it looks cool. I, I think the A. The teal and the purple, I don't know, it just works. I just really, really like it. And it's one of my favorite logos sports-wise and was like the first thing that came to mind when I thought of this. So I got to go with the OG Diamondbacks logo. I'll throw it to you for your first two picks. 
love that pick. And I'm going to be in the same vein with most of my picks. Some of my picks uh, I, I said, and I, I, when I was getting into this, I really looked for like logos that were developed in the nineties, because that's really like the logo style that I think is perfect for like what we're looking for. Uh, if you are a team looking for a throwback logo or just like a new logo, look to see what your team had in the nineties, because I bet it's better than what you have now. Uh, so I'm going to, with my first pick in that vein, uh, I'm going with the Pistons logo. It's a biased pick, but it's in my opinion, the greatest sports logo of all time, the Pistons logo from 96 to 05, the teal uniforms with the horse. Uh, when I was really young, we just like, like you said, just that we were in the process of moving from the horse to like the stupid red and blue basketball that the Pistons have now. Uh, and it's, like, I don't understand. It's so cool. It's so much cooler than the plain, stupid basketball that Detroit has had for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years since we got rid of that. Uh, but it's maybe the coolest logo. I mean, it's got uh, even the font has piping like a, a car piping coming off of it. So it looks like it's it's got the Motor City part of it. The horse is maybe the most intimidating horse logo you can have in terms of, and it's coming out of a, it's got everything that you would need. And the teal logo or the teal Pistons uniforms are so much cooler. I like these blue uniforms that we have here, but the teal uniforms, top tier uniforms, I cannot get over those. So absolutely i think it's the best i think it's the best logo in sports and it was only used for like nine years and the pistons should go back to it because they need a rebrand i think they're about to they've been they've been flirting with it for the past few years and i think with Cade and possibly another top five pick i think a rebrand in the next couple of years is coming just go back to the horse it's the best logo uh, and you'll make a lot of people happy uh and with my next pick in the same vein, I'm going with the Raptors logo from 95 to 2008. The purple and black with the Raptor. I mean, it's just the same one. It's the it's the non-biased one that came to mind when I thought of this list. Uh, the, the one that Vince and T-Mac wrapped. I mean, it's just, it's so perfect when I think of the Toronto Raptors. And I think a lot of it has to do with the colors. If you have a good and like unnatural color scheme, it works a lot better and the purple and the black and the red that the Raptors had back in the day was so cool. And it was so unique. And like you said, it, it's just like the diamondbacks. It, it doesn't make any sense that they would go on and modernize to something that's they're trying to be like fierce and intimidate. No, just be cool. Just do what you were doing and you'll, you'll be fine. And I think both of those teams, if they just go back to what they had in the nineties, way better infinitely better and i think they'd sell way more jerseys just on that alone so i'm going with the pistons logo from the 90s and i'm going with the raptors logo from the 90s i'll throw it to you for your next two picks i love both of those and it's going to come as no surprise that my next two picks also come from the 90s uh because sports logos as some of them are really good now and it for some reason it's because some teams kept their logos and that was a good idea. Uh, but yeah, I, I like both those picks a lot. Um, my next two picks are going to be very biased and I do not care. Uh, for my first one, guy right here, the old school Tennessee Titans, or as most people would know, the Houston Oilers, the oil rig logo. It's just so nice. I love it so much. I remember growing up, uh, every once in a while, the Titans would break out the throwback AFL jerseys and Chris Johnson and Vince Young would be wearing those light blue jerseys with the light blue helmets with the oil rig on. Them. It just looks so good. 
and like I get the Titans in the football, you you don't want to be pretty on the field. You want to be tough. Like the Titans now, they've got the two tone blue, the navy blue, dark helmets. It's like, eh, who cares? Get the oil rig out there. It's cool. It takes them back to your roots. It just, especially a team in Tennessee, like that's not no one in Tennessee is like I want this team to be uh, so uh, modern and tough on the field with their uniform. They just want to see a cool uniform, and that's a cool uniform with a cool logo, and it just. It, it pains me that uh, it's kind of caught in limbo because people in Houston think it should belong to the Texans franchise. The Oilers and the Titans are the same franchise. That is the Titans history. Um, anytime I see something with the Oilers logo on it, I'm like, I, I, I'm going to pull out my wallet and buy that because I, I need that in my uh, closet. I need it in my wardrobe. It's just, it looks so sharp. It, it, it catches your eye. And there's a reason why if you go to Nissan Stadium, you see a lot of Oilers jerseys because they're just better than the Titans jerseys. They just look better. That logo, like I like the flaming T logo. I think it looks cool. It's grown on me as the years have gone by, but the oil rigs are just so much better. It just, it, it's cool. It's classic. It, it's just stood the test of time, which is really impressive because I don't, it's very simple. And like last year when I, I went to the Titans Colts game, they gave away flags and I was like, this is really cool. I'm really happy I have this now. And I, I flashed it on the screen. I was like, this, this is just neat. I, I'm really happy I have this. And it's just, it's like a couple lines with some colors, but it's just cool. I I, I had to include it. Uh, but yeah, I'm really happy to have that along with the Diamondbacks. Then with my next pick, also biased, but I'm going up to the great North like you from the 95 expansion draft. I'm just going with the other team, the Vancouver Grizzlies. That, that logo is top tier. Like, I think it's better than the Oilers. The Oilers are just super biased. Uh, the Grizzlies is right up there with the Diamondbacks. That teal and then the, the just having a grizzly bear, that's like the Raptors. Like, it's not like it's a fierce logo, but it's just cool. That Grizzlies fierce and cool. Like, it's, it's both factors. Uh, there's a reason why the highest-selling jaw jersey is the one, the teal, old-school Vancouver jersey. It's just so cool. You get that that jersey, you get the color scheme of the teal and the red and the black and the white and all of it. It just all looks so good together. Uh, there's no reason why the Grizzlies don't use that. I don't get it. It just like, it's the same with the Titans, like the, the two tone blue with the light blue and the Navy, like whatever, like it's modern. And the same with the new Grizzly bear logo, it's modern, whatever, just bring it back to just change Vancouver to Memphis, have the colors be teal, black, and red and go crazy. Like if they did that, like I, they made a ton of money when they made the throwback jerseys. If they made those, their permanent jerseys, I don't think they would just never have them in stock because people just keep buying them. Like I, I'm going to a Grizzlies game soon. And I was like, I want to buy a shirt. And I was like, I don't like any other merchandise except for like the Mitchell and Ness because of that old school Grizzlies logo. And uh, that's a problem. If you, if you've got that good logo, go after it, use it. So yeah, I, the the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, logo was a no brainer. The Oilers logo, no brainer, obviously going with the Diamondbacks. I'll throw it to you for your last two picks. I think what we're understanding from this is that teams just need to bring teal back as a team color because three of our logos have been teal. The Pistons teal, the Diamondbacks teal, the Grizzlies teal. Teal is a slept on color that every team just ran away from after the 90s and they just have to bring it back. I agree. Uh, for my last two picks, I got one bias, but my I'll save that for last. Uh, for the first one, I had to go college football and there's just so many iconic college football logos, but to pick just one, got to be the U almost simply for the fact that people more people know Miami by the U and the logo than they know it by Miami uh and if you're like 
So if you're being technical, any team, almost any team in Division One, could use the U as their logo because they're all universities. But at this point, it would be copying because we all know who the actual U is. It's it's Miami, and that's that's what makes the U so iconic in its own. It's so perfect. It's so sleek. Uh, it's really the only logo because Michigan is so just like perfect too, but it's the only logo I've ever been really jealous of. Cause it's like, that's perfect. It's, it's got the orange, it's got the green. It's just the U it's so simple. You can make it with your hands. Uh, it, it's perfect. I think the U had to be on this list. Uh, it's all about the U baby. Uh, and for my last pick, uh, Detroit has a ton of iconic logos. Uh, but for the classic logos to me, uh, the old English D, the Detroit Tigers logo has to be on the list. It, 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 nothing beats the clean look of the old English D. It's got kind of like that same factor that the New York Yankees logo has, where if you wear it on a cap and you're around, you know what that is. There's plenty of D teams out there, but the old English D, that's Detroit. And, and it's become kind of a sticking point to Detroit fans uh, of like changing the like the D the little lines within the old English D making it a little simpler people go nuts people go crazy if you change it even slightly uh but that's what that's what makes a logo like that when you've got a classic logo like that and your fans just know it that even the slightest change makes people go crazy that's when you know you've got an iconic logo uh and I'm biased obviously but Detroit uh, I think has the cleanest version of that I think I I would, I would take that over a Yankees hat to me. I think it's the cleanest version of the, of the, the city logo on your hat going for it. So I'll stick with the old English D uh, and then the U for my last two picks. I'll throw it to you for your final pick. I like both those picks a lot. And I think it's funny how we both went with kind of like classic, like logos from the nineties for our first three picks. And then we both went with like classic logos for our last picks. You went to the Detroit D. I went with the New York Yankees. And I'm glad you kind of alluded to it. I just, when I was thinking of this, obviously the three I mentioned before came to mind because they're just cool. And I, that's why I love it in a sports logo. It's just cool. And the Yankees, I don't even think the Yankees logo is that cool. It's just iconic. Like, you walk anywhere, you're going to see a Yankees hat. Like if you're on vacation, you're somewhere, you're going to see a Yankees hat. And it's just, it's the, it's the big apple. It's the Mecca of American life and American sports, really, even though New York hasn't really been that good at sports and most things in a while, but it's still, it's kind of the epicenter of everything. And um, Jay-Z uh, kind of has said a lot about this, how like, Hey, you, you put on a Yankees hat when you're in New York. You don't put on a Mets hat. Like New York's the team. Uh, you go to a Knicks game, you've got a, you got a Yankees hat on. You go to a Giants game, you got a Yankees hat on. Like the way it like transcends just the sport to pop culture. Like, it, like people wear that hat to go to other New York sporting events. They also just wear pop culture. Like you said with the D, people just wear it. That Yankees hat, I mean, there's people that probably never watched a baseball game in their life and they own five Yankee hats. Like that's just – it's just a logo that has transcended the sport. And that's the, like the greatest tradition of any professional sports team is the New York Yankees, the greatest dynasty ever. And uh, there's a reason for it. And uh, that all that prestige behind it, it's just surpassed everything. It's really cool. I, it's hard to leave out the Yankees uh, 
logo when doing something like this because it is it's just it is like the logo in sports it's one of them so yeah had had to snatch up the yankees uh and rep new york with my last pick the broncos the denver broncos either one like the horse or the d i think they're both fantastic uh the st louis cardinals were an alternate and i probably should have went them over the yankees but i i think the yankees is better than the cardinals uh the old murray state logo for some reason murray state does not use this and you can't find it anywhere i've got it on a sweater somewhere but it's like a horse flexing and i'm not saying like just some normal horse i'm talking like imagine like brock lesnar as a horse flexing in a sweater and it just says Murray State across the chest, and there's, like, smoke coming out of its nostrils. And it's just the most, like, badass logo you've ever seen, and they just stopped using it. And I really hope whoever becomes the next coach at Murray State, which I want to get into that later, but beyond the point, uh, I really hope they use that logo more because Murray State's a program that they can dip money into basketball. Get that logo on the court like Louisville has with their old school Cardinal that makes their court one of the best in the country. Murray needs to do that with the old school horse. They need to just – do it it's so good everybody loves it uh and then all of tennessee's like alternate logos are good but they're not great and i i, I just wanted to say that it's something that i've always noticed I'm like i don't love them like they've got balls spelled out with the star circle it's cool but it's not great the power t is iconic but it's just because it's college and all the logos are pretty they're pretty like i don't they're they're not super unique they're just kind of letters but the with the prestige behind it makes them uh, so great. Kind of like the U, like the U, the U is different in that sense where like you got the green and the orange, and it's got the swagger of Miami, which makes it different than other like Michigan. It's just it's the block in Tennessee's the block T. Like it's nothing crazy. It's just like the meaning behind it that makes it cool, uh, which kind of falls in line with like the Detroit D and the Yankees. But yeah, uh, I think that's all the alternates I have. Yeah. Oh, the Dolphins. The old school Dolphins uh, logo with, with the Dolphin wearing the helmet, that just doesn't make sense, but that's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's all my alternates. Uh, so, for my alternates, the Red Wings logo makes my list. Uh, it, it's, like, on top of a lot of lists. I'm not a huge hockey guy, obviously, but it is an iconic logo, just the wheel with the wings. I think it's never going to be changed. It's one of those ones that you can never touch that logo. Uh, the Michigan Block M, I think it's iconic. I think – the only reason that Michigan could make a list like that, because it is just an M, but it's like, if you see a black M, it's like, oh, that's the Michigan logo. That, that's their version. Even when Missouri was like a black M for a while, it was like they took the Michigan logo. So uh, I think that works. I had Washington State written down because the first time I realized that it says WSU in the lo- in that Cougar, I like freaked out. I had no, I, I was like, holy crap. I had no idea. That's so, that's so original. So Washington State has to go in there. The Texas logo, the Texas Longhorns logo, I think is iconic. I think that's if I couldn't get Miami, I was going to go with that one. Uh, minor League Baseball had to get a couple shout outs. The Toledo Mud Hens has a great logo. That's a Detroit affiliate. But Carolina Mud Cats, if you look that up, uh, it's going to be an amazing logo if you've ever seen it. I think Dylan is just now realizing that Washington State says WSU in it. That spells out WSU. That's really, really cool. Yeah, you yeah, the first time you realize it, you're like, holy crap, now I understand why this is a logo. And it's like that's that's really that's really original. Uh, I just thought yeah. it was like an obscure cougar. I was like, okay, right. sure. Right. It <laughs> that's awesome. Made no sense. But yeah, you really first time you see it, you're like, oh my god, I've never known that. That's that's amazing. Uh the so back to the back to my list. 
Toledo Mudhens, the Carolina Mudcats. If you're listening to the, the Mudcats, is a great logo. Uh, and then I had the Cardinals written down. I'm surprised you didn't go with it. I think it's a, I think it's an iconic logo. And then the if I had if I either of my NBA picks were gone, I was going with the Nuggets throwback logo, the one like the rainbow one with the skyline. I, I think that's a really slept on logo. Whenever I play 2K and I'm the Nuggets, I always pick the throwback jerseys because they're so much better than the ones now. Oh, and the old the original falcons logo the the one that's the f it that is like one of the sleekest logos in the nfl the dirty birds logo yes yes that one's awesome yeah all right awesome stuff be sure to vote on uh vote on this stuff uh on social media once the polls hit uh instead of q a this week with two weeks until the baseball season it is time for us to get into the breakdown of our teams our favorites and their players to watch for this year's season we'll get into the nl next week but this week it's time for the American League. Dylan, were there some players and teams that you were expecting to make some noise out of the American League this year? I'm sure everyone's very surprised to hear this, but I'm so excited to watch the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Now, I told Dylan, I was like, I want to talk about the AL because I need to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. They've just added so much to this team, uh, to a team that was already really exciting that I wanted to talk about every week last uh, baseball season. And they've just added, like, more veteran players to a young core that are pitching uh, it's it's gonna be a really really good season in Toronto. I know that AL East is stacked as ever, but they're they're gonna be really good. They're just gonna those young guys like Vladdy uh, are just gonna come more into themselves. Uh, Vladdy looks really good. Uh, as a side note, like he he lost quite a bit of weight during the lockout and like looks like he's in really really good shape, which should be terrifying for AL East teams and everyone else in the league. Um, but I, I'm really really excited to watch that young uh, Toronto squad as they're like. After last season, which was so weird, where they were like not being able to be at home because of the COVID restrictions, now they're going to be in Toronto and actually, you know, like get to live a normal life, sort of like get to like, you know, go to their house after games. That'll be nice for them. I, I, that could really make a difference. Uh, the other team, Seattle. We talked about Seattle a little bit with Nick uh, a couple weeks ago when he came on the show, but uh, Seattle's a team that made huge strides last year during the stretch to the playoffs, they kind of became America's team where like, they just kept rattling off wins. They started to uh, climb up the uh, standings. They didn't quite make it, but uh, they, they became a team that was just so lovable. And uh, they're just really easy to root for their team with like big personalities. And they went out and got guys like Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, they added from just from the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they added uh, other pieces just, just to be better. And that's exciting because uh, a team like Seattle that's missed the playoffs for 20 straight years, wherever it's been now, uh, since that amazing team with Ichiro, uh, that has to be so frustrating for a city like Seattle that has good sports pedigree, um, that they're like, our, the Mariners just aren't good and they haven't been for a long time. And even with the years with K-Rod, uh, well, with K-Rod, King Felix, um, it has to be just so frustrating. And I, I hope this is the year that they're able to get over that hump. Obviously, the Astros losing Carlos Correa should help them, but also they're in a division with the Angels that are a sleeping giant. So that the, the AL East is interesting, but the AL uh, West might even be more interesting because there's a lot of question marks. We don't know what the Astros are going to be like without Carlos Correa. Uh, the Angels are a team, obviously, that has two of the best players maybe ever on their team. And it's like, can they finally, you know, make the playoffs? Can they do it? That's something that um, I feel like I'm just echoing what I said last summer. I, I can Otani and Trout lead this team to the playoffs. I, I really, really would like to see that. It's kind of like they're, 
the Angels should be like a Goliath type figure with all the star power they have. But it feels like they're still in like this David mode where they're like, we have to prove everybody wrong. No, it's like you guys should be like the Yankees. You guys should be dominating the West. And it's just, I, it's not going to happen. I imagine the Angels are going to struggle again, which is frustrating. It's so, so frustrating. Um, I think the Mariners have a really good shot of surprising people that might not be paying attention. And they're just like, oh, it's the AL West. It's going to be the Astros or the Angels probably. And I, I think the Mariners are going to surprise people. They're going to win a lot of baseball games. Uh, and then the Central, I, I honestly have no clue. The Central's weird. I, I think it's going to be the White Sox again because the White Sox just have a really good team. And they're just going to probably run it back. I, I think they, uh, they have an interesting uh, uh, situation, I guess, going from being so dominant in that division last year. Can they keep it up? And then the Twins – uh, being a team that was supposed to be really good and a lot of people picked to win that division last year and they just weren't, adding a guy like Carlos Correa, can that kind of get them back to where they were uh, expected to be last season? That'll be interesting to see. Um, and then uh, a guy that I forgot to mention when talking about the Mariners, I, I'm excited to see if Julio Rodriguez gets called up this year because I don't know if I've, I've watched a few spring training games and I saw Julio's first home run in spring training. I was like, Oh my God, this guy's got it. He's, he's, it just, he just looks like a big leaguer. And we've heard little murmurings about Julio uh, throughout last year. He's still so, so young. Um, I'm, I'm just curious what it'll take for Julio to get called up, whether it's him tearing it up or if the Mariners aren't as good. I, I'd like to see Julio playing on a competitive Mariners team, not a Mariners team that gave up. And it's like, let's get let young guys play because he's a guy that uh, can definitely add some to that Mariners team. It's just, I, I, that, uh, that first home run he hit in spring training, it's just that it's a special swing and you can tell he's, he's just got something and I don't want to see that wasted. And like I've just said over and over, this Mariners team seems like they have something special or could have something special right in front of them. And if they can have a guy like Julio Rodriguez, that could be a superstar, man, they got to capitalize on this. This this could be a really, really special year in Seattle when the MLB is in a weird spot where you've got a couple super teams and then Seattle could kind of be the mighty mouse trying to face everyone. That could be really exciting. And you could get a superstar, a very, very young superstar, uh, maybe in the form of Julio Rodriguez. I'm really, really excited to see if that could uh, come in fruition. But yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff in the AL. And I'm not... The AL is definitely not the league I keep up with the most, but these are just some of the things that have like really caught my eye. And uh, obviously the Blue Jays and Mariners, I'm like almost like calling myself Blue Jays and Mariners, a, a fan of those teams at this point, because they're just so much fun. And it's fun to keep up with them because they're like, unlike the Cardinals who are the most boring team in the world, they actually do things and they like have swagger. And it's just, it's so cool. I'm, I'm excited to see what those teams do. Uh, but as for you, you're actually a person that's kept up with AL your entire life. I want to see uh, the things you're looking forward to, whether it be teams, players, whatever it is going into this uh, 2022 season. Yeah, so I'll break down my picks for the divisions first. Uh, in the Central, uh, my bias pick, I, I like the Tigers a lot this year. I've talked about how much I think this is the, the year that the Tigers make that step forward. Three big reasons. I think Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal are going to be the best one-two punch in the division. I think those young guys, we saw what they could be last year. Uh, Scoogle got roughed up a little bit, but Mize really started to find his own last year. He was in the rookie of the year race. I think both of those guys are going to end up being the best two pitchers in the AL Central this year. 
Uh, Spencer Turkleson and Riley Green should be ready to go. And hopefully if they play the entire season, I think they could be the best two rookies, not just in the division, but in baseball in general. Uh, I know that that's saying a lot. I think Julio Rodriguez is going to be up. There's some pitchers, uh, Shane Baz in, in uh, Tampa, that's going to uh, have a contention for that. But if Torkelson and Green are as advertised, they're going to be very, very good and a very big piece of the next step that the Tigers make. And we've got A.J. Hinch, and people forget that A.J. Hinch is a legit manager. I mean, he what he has done in his time in Detroit, it's night and day from what we had uh, in Brad Ausmus and Ron Gardenhire. So uh, I think the Tigers have a legit shot to be that surprise team in the AL this year. Uh, but that's also biased. My gut is that Carlos Correa and really adding Byron Buxton after he was basically hurt all of last year, that makes the twins from like a potential world series contender to a legit world series contender this year. So I think uh, my gut says the twins will probably uh, end up running the table this year, but don't sleep on the tigers. I think they have a real chance Uh, for the East. uh, I mean, the East is a very tight division. I think it might be the tightest it's ever been this year, but I still think it's the Rays division to lose, especially with the way that Wander Franco looked in his rookie season last year, the way that Shane Boz is making his way up. I think he's going to be a full-time starter in Tampa this year. So uh, they are going to be just as good, if not better than they were last year. And that's, you know, I know the Red Sox got better with Trevor Story. I know the Yankees are getting better with the guys that they're signing too, but I think the Rays are just so consistent and they always are, are around. Doesn't matter who the Red Sox have had. Doesn't matter who the Yankees have had. Uh, I think the the Rays are just, they've got a better organization. They've got better, they're run better than those two uh, organizations. And that's tough to say about two historic organizations like the Yankees and the Red Sox, but I think they're just built better to win now. Uh, at, as much as the Yankees have done, they're still basically the same team. They're still managed by Aaron Boone. They've still got Rizzo at first base. They really didn't make the moves that they wanted to. They just made moves that they kind of had to. So I still think it's the Rays division to lose, but the Red Sox are probably a a close two. And then obviously don't sleep on the Blue Jays. They're much of the same team, Uh, obviously losing Marcus Simeon hurts, but it's going to be a a really good team. Uh, And that's what makes that division so fun. It's like four Four really, really good teams. All of those teams, if you told me they're making a World Series run this year, I'd be like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Uh, that, that really does make sense. The opposite of that is the AL West. I think that's probably the weakest division maybe in baseball this year. Uh, and this is probably going to come back to bite me, but I do think it's going to be the Angels' years finally. I think you bring Trout back, you get him a full year next to Shohei. You've got basically the two best players in baseball and two maybe two historic players. When we look back at this era of baseball, we might only remember Shohei and Mike Trout because of how historically good they were. And they're on the same team. And it's been a very bad team in their time there. Uh, But I do think it's finally going to be their year. And if you don't know about the AL, you don't know how stacked the rest of that lineup is because they've got Trout, Shohei, Jared Walsh, Anthony Rendon, Joe Adele is going to be a star. Brandon Marsh is going to be a star. I mean, they are going to be really, really good. And But as always, it just comes down to what is that pitching staff going to look like? And obviously Shohei makes it really good. You arguably have the best pitcher in the league. Uh, and you added Syndergaard. I think that's going to really make that, that one-two combo up top really good. It just is what happens after after those two. And, and I do think the good thing they have going for them is their two top prospects are both starting pitchers in Reed Detmers and Sam Bachman. And if those guys can make the steps 
that the Angels need them to make. If they're actually serviceable arms that can make major league appearances this year, maybe even be on the roster for most of the year, then the AL the, the ALS should be theirs to keep. Uh, otherwise, I mean, the ALS is up for grabs regardless with the way that Houston has shaped up. So I think, I think it's LA's year. I, I don't want to jinx them and I don't want to, I might look really stupid because it's it's been LA's year for like eight years now and they, they haven't done anything with it. So, but I think it's going to be uh, LA's year in terms of players I'm looking for. This is cheating, but Trout and Shohei next to each other is going to be an absolute show. I cannot wait to see Trout hitting three and Shohei hitting four or whatever they find out. They might go one, two with Trout Shohei. And that's going to be the scariest one, two to start a game for any pitcher. So I think that's going to be one of the most fun things to watch all year. Uh, Rookies. I said it, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, and you stole Julio Rodriguez is going to be awesome. I think he's going to be the standout player for a team in Seattle that people are not are, are sleeping on. He, he might be the best player on a team that's really good. I think they are very slept on. Uh, and then look out for what Syndergaard does in LA. I mean, I think not only is he a nasty guy, but not only has the AL not seen him, no one in the league has seen him for like two years. It's been so long since we've seen Syndergaard. So if he's healthy, he could be really scary and really tough to hit uh, in his first year back. So watch for Syndergaard. I think he could tear up the AL, uh, especially you take the hitting responsibilities away from him. Let's see if he stays healthy for a year. Uh, That would be awesome to see. And then obviously what does Correa do to that twins team? I think obviously with Buxton coming back, that team looks so good, but I mean, Correa makes that twins team go from, uh, you know, an interesting team to a legit, contender i think everyone's looking at the twins and going okay you better compete this year because we were high on you last year you kind of fell off and we get it buxton was hurt but now you've got the biggest prize of the offseason you better make that step forward and i i think they will uh but it's also it's minnesota it's not the we're not talking about the yankees where it's like okay it's not working halfway through the year we can re readjust this rock no you're running with this lineup basically until the end until correa's contract is up at this point so you better you better have made the right moves to to put a good team around him because you're not going to have many chances to readjust this lineup now that you've signed not just Correa but Buxton whenever he uh whenever his contract comes up so uh I think the AL is going to be a lot of fun this year uh I think watch out for my Tigers uh but it's going to be interesting to see how those divisions play out obviously uh I think all of them are up for grabs. There's no like clear favorite in any of them, whether that be because some of them are bad or some of them are good, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch in baseball this year. I'm just happy we get a full year of baseball. We're not missing out on any games this year. Uh, all right, we'll move on to this week in sports. It was a wild week in the NFL again, as moves were made all over the place. Shortly after we recorded the fallout of the Aaron Rodgers saga finally happened as Devonte Adams was shipped to Las Vegas. Matt Ryan's time in Atlanta came to an end as the Colts made another QB move and traded for the former Falcons quarterback and former Heisman winner, and Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota uh, got a deal to become the Falcons' new quarterback. And I almost missed this until we got on and Dylan had to tell me about it. Tyreek Hill got sent to the Miami Dolphins for a haul of draft picks yesterday. So the Chiefs sending their number one ride receiver just a day after getting Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers. Dylan, your reaction to a wild week of NFL news. Did we forget about Deshaun Watson, too? 
we forgot about Deshaun Watson too. <laughs> I was sitting there, I was like, some pit Cleveland did something. And I was like, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Um, I I've talked to my friends about this. I love the NBA offseason so much because the NBA is like a good reality TV show where they never let you get like uninvolved with what's going on because you know the players so well and you know their personalities. And when the offseason might be more interesting than the actual things going on during the season with the NBA sometimes. Uh, And that first day of like trades and signings and stuff is just so much fun with Woj going crazy. That's what it's been like this month with the NFL. It's like, Oh, by the way, Matt Ryan is now a Colt. And, oh, did you miss it? Deshaun Watson's in Cleveland now. He hasn't played. He might not play, but they got they gave up, like, their next, like, seven first-round picks or whatever it is. I think it's three first-round picks, like, second-round picks. They threw in a ton of picks for Deshaun, um, which Deshaun's a super talented quarterback. It's just, is he going to play? And also, it's Cleveland, and Cleveland just likes to, you know, ruin uh, generational athletes. It's what they do. Um the Tyreek deal. I, I was telling Dylan, I was like, I woke up uh, to go to work and like, I saw a tweet that was like Tyreek Hill once out of Kansas city. I was like, Whoa, that's cool. Like that the coming days, we'll see that happen. It took like two hours and he was a Miami dolphin and he got $120 million over four years, becoming the second highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. I was like, Whoa, okay. That's neat. And obviously it makes Miami this just, insane like college like offense with like Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki, Tua, and Tyreek Hill now that they, they all run like sub four five forties and they're just gonna run down the field and just try to score a bunch of points. And it shows how offensive power the league's got where teams are willing to give up so many picks for receivers. Like Las Vegas went out and gave up a ton of picks for Devontae Adams, which is very much worth it. Devontae's a top 10 receiver, top probably top three and he's not three. Um, and I like Devontae's really, really good. And he obviously already has chemistry with their quarterback, Derek Carr. So they go back to their college days. I mean, I, I think that was a no brainer and the Raiders, I really like the Raiders franchise right now. They've went through some dark times, but my goodness, have they come out like not squeaky clean, but like the, they should be in a lot worse shape for the year they've had. Like they, they've got a lot of momentum and, they honestly, like, a lot of their draft picks been bad in the last couple of years. And, like, they're still, like, they're in a good shape. And I really, like, the toughest division, like, maybe ever, that AFC West is going to be a gauntlet. And they're like, all right, you know what? We're going to give up our draft picks. We're going to get Devontae Adams. We're going all in. And that's that's the kind of aggression that Raiders fans have just have to be fired up. And as a Titans fan, I'm very, very jealous that they did that. Because it seemed like the Titans have been at points where they were going to do that, and they haven't really and uh, it's frustrating. Uh, and with that AFC West, they've all gone all in, which is very admirable because one of those teams is not going to be good. And that's going to really suck because they've all gave up draft picks. Well, except for Kansas City. Kansas City just got draft picks. They're just good. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting with that AFC West. Um, Matt Ryan, obviously, is well, Marcus Mariota, obviously, personal ties to me. But Matt Ryan coming into the AFC South, um, I don't know, Matt Ryan, he doesn't really scare me in Indianapolis, which this very well in September, this could, man, this could make me look dumb when Matt Ryan comes out and throws like 500 yards in his first game as a Colt. But um, Matt Ryan, I mean, it's not like, he didn't look like Matt Ryan of 2016 last year. And I saw a lot of like the analytics stuff on Twitter where it was like, oh, Matt Ryan isn't that much better than Carson Wentz was last year. And 
to Matt Ryan's credit, he's going to a much better team. The Colts are a lot better than the Falcons are, and they're they're set up a lot better than the Falcons are, uh, where they're they're set up to contend. But I don't know that he's going to have better weapons in Indianapolis. He had in just this last year in uh, Atlanta, he had a, a guy like Cordero Patterson who's a freak, and we with the way Arthur Smith worked that Atlanta offense that first year, he used Patterson like he should have been, where he was all over the field as a running back receiver, just doing whatever he could to get the ball in his hands. And they had Kyle Pitts, who Kyle Pitts, I mean, it's yet to be seen what he's going to turn into, but I mean, that guy's a freak. And we've known that for a while now. And he's going to go into an Indianapolis offense where he's going to have Jonathan Taylor, obviously. And he's going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor 30 times a game as they should. But beyond that, you got Michael Pittman and, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, obviously there could be a Julio um, kind of uh, the words lost my uh, reunion. That's the word. Uh, a Julio Jones, Matt Ryan reunion in Indianapolis, which would really suck. I would not be a fan of that, but um, it very well, it could happen. Um, Indy's going to need some targets if they want to get old Matt Ryan back. Cause right now they got Michael Pittman and it's no, I'm not trying to dog on Michael Pittman, but I don't think he's going to be able to elevate, Matt Ryan to the level they want to where the Colts want to win that division and make a deep run in the playoffs, especially in the AFC. The AFC is so good. Like I, our friend Jake uh, Serrano, he asked me, he's like, do you, what do you think the Titans uh, cap is this year? And I was like, man, the Titans can win the South and that's it. The Titans are not touching anyone in the AFC, like the other top dogs. There's no way. I, like I love Tannehill and I, Tannehill's my quarterback, but man, He's, he's just not going to get it done, and I understand that now. I think Derrick Henry's going to have another great season, but the AFC's too loaded, and that's all the other contenders have just loaded up. Miami has become a t- contender. They, they could very well be a wild card team or win that division now that they have Tyreek, and <laughs> it's just going to be fun. It, it's shaping up to be a really fun season. I, a lot of people are like, the NFL's wide open. I don't know if that's true. It's probably going to be the same teams, but – I, it's shaping up to just be an insane, just different kind of season with new faces everywhere. And that's just, it fires you up as a football fan because the NFL can kind of get stagnant. It feels like sometimes next year, it's not going to be that way. There's going to be so many new faces, especially like quarterbacks, which is something a lot of like, especially casual fans, that's what they see. And so many teams are having new quarterbacks next year. Your team might have a new quarterback coming in through the draft, especially after the pro day. We're not really talking draft stuff right now, but Malik Willis showed out this week. He might climb up draft boards. Uh, but yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on just in the past week with movement. Uh, and I didn't touch on Mariota, but I'm excited to see what he does uh, reunited with Arthur Smith in Atlanta. I, I hope he gets a shot because Marcus is a good quarterback. He just wasn't ready for what that Titans team was and what it evolved into. Uh, so I, I hope he gets a shot and I hope he gets to elongate his career, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater did uh, when he's got these opportunities in different places. So yeah, I'm excited. For, I'm happy for Marcus uh, going to a place like Atlanta. That's not gonna be great next year, but they've got pieces where he's got a Kyle Pitts. He's got Cordell Patterson where he can do things and they're going to draft. I'd assume they're going to draft skilled players. I mean, I don't know, um, but yeah, it's gonna be exciting to watch. Uh, what have been your thoughts on all the moves? Uh, it's been a wild week. Uh, I texted Dylan when the Devontae Adams news broke that he, when we know the news broke, they wouldn't play under the franchise tag. And I said, I, I think he feels a lot like I do about Aaron Rodgers uh, because I think they went into last season thinking last season was their last dance in green Bay. And they were going to go on and get their money and respect that they deserved. And then Aaron went back and took all the money himself from green Bay. Uh, meaning if Devontae wanted to stay in green Bay, he had to go gamble 
a year on the franchise tag, which is not a good situation for, especially a guy like Devontae Adams, who you know will get paid by someone regardless. And so I don't blame him for wanting out. I'm excited to see what he does in a winning, potentially winning team like the Raiders. I think obviously we got to see what they do with a new head coach. But I mean, when you go through the turmoil that you did, like, like you said, the turmoil that they went through last year to be a, a contender at the end of the year in a very tough division just shows you how that roster is built. They've got some talent on that roster and you add Devontae Adams. I think they're going to, they're a potential winning team already. And now I think that Devontae Adams, like you said, he's top three. He's not three. He probably isn't two either. I mean, he's probably the best receiver in the league in terms of, you know, when you listen to, corners talk about who the hardest guy is to defend it's usually Devonte adams so uh, i'm interested to see that but i'm also interested to see what he looks like without aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball i think that's going to be an interesting situation uh i said it last year i'm pretty sure i said it on last year's preview uh it was time i think this was going to be year the, the year that atlanta figures out that it's time to to move on from matt ryan very similar to the way the Lions were. It's not that he's not talented anymore because he's still got talent. He's probably got two or three years probably left in the tank. It's just it, that, that that roster is not moving forward with Matt Ryan on it. And if they don't see that, the writing on the wall, then it's going to be a tough thing to move on from. So I, I, I like the fact that they at least uh, gave up on him or didn't get a great haul back for him, but at least could see the writing on the wall and give up on him. And I, I don't think the Colts, like you said, I don't think that Matt Ryan gets the Colts over the hump, but for what they gave up for him, I don't think it's a bad deal for them at all. And I love Marcus Mariota at Oregon, and I'm always a proponent of giving guys a second opportunity, especially guys we know have talent, like a guy like Marcus. But I, ju- I, I think we've seen all that Marcus brings to the table, and it's not enough to overcome the better defenses in the league. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, uh, but this feels more like a move for Atlanta to start tanking and start getting to a point where they can draft better players and, and get some other guys than making a legit move to make Marcus their quarterback of the future. Uh, and then how I missed Tyreek Hill getting traded yesterday is ridiculous, but like you said, that Miami offense is insane now with Devontae Parker, Tua, and, and Tyreek Hill. I mean, those three guys, like uh, it, it's going to be – so much fun to watch that Miami offense. It's going it I'm trying to it's like the Showtime Lakers, but on football. It's like the greatest show on turf again, but it's it's the 2022 version of the greatest show on turf. Just get all of the fastest guys in the NFL and let's go see what they can do. So I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh and like you said, the NFL is becoming Every league should look at this and be like, movement is good. Allow players to make their own decisions on where they want to play. And it just creates parity. It gets you thinking. It makes it made me want to go download Madden and see what these rosters look like with these new players on them. And that's what you should make movement as easy as possible because it gives guys the best opportunity to get the best deals and it gives us fun stuff like this to talk about i'm i'm excited to talk about and you talk about it too the draft is going to be a ton of fun to talk about now with all these new rosters and how it all shakes up so i'm really excited to get into that stuff finally uh you may be aware that our projected final four selections are all half wrong iowa did us dirty tennessee did us dirty kentucky did us dirty all fell within the first weekend so now we thought it would be a good time to give you an updated picks for our final four and our expected national champions so dylan what do you expect now with your updated version of the final four 
So I'm sticking with my one side. I still have Texas Tech and Purdue. I'm riding with them. I've liked Texas Tech all year, like I said last week, and I've loved Purdue. It's that Stockholm syndrome, I think. I, I've I've fallen in love that boiler up chant. Like I'm riding with them. I I have no ill will towards St. Peter's. I do, um, but I, I kind of want Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady to kind of run them off the court. I, I I think that team is just so much better, and it's I do have ill will towards St. Peter's. I, I don't want Purdue's run this year to get ended by St. Peter's. I think they've had their run. Purdue is a national championship type team, and I would really like to see them there. Uh, as for my picks that have changed, I'm in on Arizona. I, I was out on them. Guess what, Arizona? You got the kiss of death now because I like you now. So watch for Arizona get beat this weekend. Uh, and then the U. Why not? I, I like to get crazy with my predictions. I'm going with the U. That they beat the uh, insert any word you want to say out of Auburn. They just absolutely took them to the woodshed. It was really, really impressive. Auburn had – I had taken note of Auburn early on this year, and I, I expected them to be a team playing this weekend and into next weekend. And Miami said, nah, we got Charlie Moore and James Laranega, and uh, we're going to make a run. And I think Miami's going to beat Iowa State and use that momentum to get to the Final Four. Uh, unfortunately, the run will end in the Final Four when they play that Arizona team. That is awesome. I think Arizona's going to go to the national championship where they're going to play Purdue. Uh, unfortunately, Tommy Lloyd in his first year in Arizona is not going to win a national championship. He's going to lose to Purdue. I think this is Purdue's year. I think it's been Purdue's year. I think Jaden Ivey is going to cut down that net and then go to the NBA as a national champion. Very mellow-esque, even though I, Ivey's a sophomore. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm all in on Jaden Ivey. I'm all in on the Boilermakers. So there, there's another kiss of death for Purdue. I'm doing my best here <laughs> to just curse these teams. But, yeah, I got Purdue-Arizona national championship, Purdue t- cutting down the nets. So I'm going to stick with my teams that are still alive. Arizona is elite, like you said, Ben Matherin is elite. I still like them as a national championship favorites too. Even though I overlooked them, I overlooked Michigan and probably should pick Michigan at this point. But we've already seen, like I said with John, we've seen Arizona versus Michigan. It didn't go our way. So I like Arizona. And I also like Gonzaga to make it out of the West. I know Memphis took them to the brink. But I think that just shows that you put Gonzaga against a bunch of five stars and they can they can do it. Uh, they are still just as talented as any team left there in the east. Uh, in the east, I had Kentucky. They should be alive, but it's the year of the Peacocks. Uh, I, I'm going to go with you. I like Purdue to walk into the final four. Uh, they're both they're better than UCLA and North Carolina. So I really do think it comes down to if they can get past the peacock magic uh, and like like we said about michigan and hunter dickinson i think zach Eady and travion williams makes that team mid major proof i don't think there's a team uh, outside of you know a good you know a solidly built team that could make the boiler maker season come to an end so i don't think as much as i think st peter's could rough it up and tough you're not going to guard zach Eady for for 40 minutes so uh, unfortunately that's going to end there and then in the midwest of course, Iowa did us both dirty by losing to Richmond. That Midwest is a ra- is a wreck. I talked a bunch of crap about Providence, and now they play Texas or now they play Kansas. I'm sorry. I like Providence. I think Kansas is the the team that chokes in the second weekend all the time. Uh, and I think you know Miami and Iowa State they're going to make it into the next round, but they're going to have to face a buzzsaw in either the Big Twelve champions or the Big East champions. I think Providence gets past Kansas just because I think Kansas is a choke artist team in, in March. 
Uh, so I like Providence over them. And then I like Providence into the next round. So my updated final four is Arizona, Gonzaga, Providence, Purdue. And I think Arizona wins it all. Uh, so that's what I'm going with here. Uh, Dylan, that's going to do it for us today. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we go? I do. I have to dive into some Murray State stuff because I'm very frustrated. Murray State obviously lost on Saturday to St. Peter's ending this magical season that I've talked about a lot this year. I just want to congratulate Matt McMahon accepted the LSU job on Monday, which is awesome. He got paid big time. But Murray State is very much at a crossroads. And I'm really, really interested to see how it plays out. Because, like, Tevin Brown today announced he's entering uh, the NBA draft, signing an agent. K.J. Williams entering the NBA draft. Juice uh, Hill, the point guard, might be transferring. Uh, There's a lot of roads uh, this could go. Uh, ways this could go. Uh, and I, I'm just very, very intrigued. Uh, Murray is a place or a team that, uh, or a program, anyway, you want to describe it, that has hired within so many times, uh, going from Billy Kennedy going to Texas A&M, hiring Steve Perome, who then went to Iowa State, and then hiring Matt McMahon, who's now gone to LSU. And I don't know, this this search feels different because other times Murray's hired a coach so quickly. And now, I, I don't know, it, it's taken longer than expected. So maybe an outside guy coming in. And I it's a lot of a lot of things turning. It's, it's exciting. There's just an, a new time in Murray State with them going to the Missouri Valley, maybe an outside person coming in to take over. It's, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, I, I'm excited for it. It's it's going to be cool to see. But uh, yeah, I I was really disappointed. The the magical season that was 31 and three come to an end. The 21 game winning streak. It was so much fun to cover uh, and so much fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, I it, it turned into March sadness for a little while for me. But uh, I'm back to my enthusiasm's back up. I'm very very excited for this weekend of games. I'm excited to watch our North Carolina Tar Heels. I hope their their run continues uh, against the UCLA Magic and then maybe Purdue or God forbid the P. Cox um that it's it's gonna be really fun to watch is and then next week we're gonna be a week away from baseball and the final four is gonna be that weekend so a lot of fun stuff coming up and also I almost forgot I gotta talk college football for a second Tennessee got a five-star quarterback this week Nico I'm a Lavea. I think I said that right God bless you Nico and if I said it wrong please come on the Dylan and Dylan show and tell me um he, he's a five-star quarterback. He's considered the number seven player in the country by 24-7 sports. Uh, he's a freak. He's awesome. Uh, and it's, it's a program-changing recruit. I said that in my article on tvsportsmag.com. It's, it's Tennessee's first five-star quarterback uh, since 2002. It's, it's a really big deal. And Josh Heupel's going into his second year. Uh, it's big time. And I cannot wait to talk about Nico for years to come on the Dylan and Dylan show because he looks like he's legit. And I, I'm very, very excited for it. But, yeah, that was really, really cool to see that. Uh, it was a guy that – had become tight with the Tennessee staff and the and the community in Knoxville. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to pull the trigger. It's what a lot of elite quarterbacks do. They like to get out of the way and start recruiting other guys to come play with them. So, yeah, Tennessee's finally maybe got their guy, which is really cool. Get another year, Hendon Hooker, and then it's Nico time in Knoxville. And I'm so daggum excited. That was really nice coming out of the weekend that was March sadness for me. But, yeah. Uh, fun show. Looking forward to all the fun stuff that's going to be happening next week. And also, hey, new logo. Who dis? Yeah, absolutely. I hope you guys let us know on social media what you think about our new logo. It should be debuted here uh, with this show, but that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. 
here is where you can find us. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan Show. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at TVSportsMag.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you all next time. See you later.